This morning we're going to look at Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through to 30. I'll read them now, those verses rather. And what we're going to be considering is, whom do you say that Jesus is? Whom do you say that Jesus is? Verse 1. And he entered again into the synagogue and there was a man there which had a withered hand and they watched him whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him. And he saith unto the man which had the withered hand stand forth. And he saith unto him is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil to save life or to kill? But they held their peace. Didn't have an answer for them, for Jesus, did they? And when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. Jesus, who's just healed someone, how they might destroy him. But Jesus withdrew himself with his disciples to the sea. And a great multitude from Galilee followed him, and from Judea, and from Jerusalem, and from Idumea, and from beyond Jordan, and they about Tyre and Sidon, A great multitude, when they had heard what great things he did, came unto him. And he spake to his disciples that that a small ship should wait on him because of the multitude, lest they should throng him. For he had healed many, insomuch that they pressed upon him for to touch him as many as had plagues. And unclean spirits when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. And he straightly charged them that they should not make him known. And he goeth up into a mountain and calleth unto him whom he would. And they came unto him. And he ordained twelve that they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach. Ordaining the apostles there. And to have power, power to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. And Simon, he surnamed Peter, and James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, and he surnamed them Boanerges, which is the sons of thunder, and Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus and Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, which also betrayed him, and they went into an house. And the multitude cometh together again, so that they could not be not so much as eat bread. And when his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold on him, for they said, He is beside himself. And the scribes which came down from Jerusalem said, He hath Beelzebub. And by the prince of the devils casteth he out devils. 
And he called them unto him and said unto them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? And if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand, but hath an end. No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he will first bind the strong man, man, and then he will spoil his house. Verily I say unto you, all sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men, and blasphemies wherewith soever they shall blaspheme. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost have never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation, because they said he have an unclean spirit. When Jesus came into the world, various Old Testament prophecies were fulfilled in which God said, that he would send his servant to bring salvation to Jews and also to the Gentiles. For example, in Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 6, the Lord said, It is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. By the way, Isaiah lived over 700 years before that prophecy had its fulfilment in the Lord Jesus Christ. Various details of the salvation that Isaiah spoke of are also given. For example, in Isaiah Chapter 61, verses 1 and 2, it is written, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord have anointed me, this is me being Jesus here, because the Lord have anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He have sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Again, this, these words were spoken by Isaiah over 700 years before Jesus came into the world. And we are not speculating and we are not playing the guessing game when we say that those words had their fulfilment in the Lord Jesus Christ. How is, it, how is it that I can say that? It's very easy. When you turn to Luke chapter 4, when Jesus was in the world, details are given of Jesus reading that portion of prophecy in a synagogue. And it's about forgiveness for people who are held captive to sin. When Jesus finished reading it, he declared... This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. Can you imagine that? Jesus standing in that synagogue and he told them plainly, these words are fulfilled in me. 
Also, details are given in the Old Testament prophecies about some of the miracles that the servant would do when he comes into the world. For example, in Isaiah chapter 35, verses 4 and 5, it is written, Say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not, behold, your God will come with vengeance. Your God will come with vengeance. I wonder who that God is. Your God will come with vengeance, even God with a, with a recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. The Lord Jesus Christ was doing all of those things at his first coming. As well as opening physical eyes, Jesus opened spiritual eyes and ears to see and to hear that he is the Christ that was promised in the Old Testament prophecies. He is the Son of the living God. God who said, Be strong, fear not, behold your God will come with vengeance. Also at the cross, Jesus destroyed him who had the power of death, that is the devil. Finally, when Jesus comes again, he will come in judgment and he will take vengeance on all who know not God and who obey not the gospel. Maybe that's one or two people in here at this moment in time. Know not God and obey not the gospel. In other words, that you do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he has come in fulfilment of scripture and laid down his life as an atonement for sin. Today we shall consider the response of two groups of people towards the Lord Jesus Christ when multitudes came to him for healing and to have demons cast out of him. Let's have a look again at Mark chapter 3 and we'll jump in at verse 19. I'm going to read 19 through to 21. And Judas Iscariot, which also betrayed him, and they went into a house, and the multitude cometh together again, so that they could not so much as eat bread. And when his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold on him, for they said, he is beside himself. With regards to the home that is referred to in verse 19, precisely whom, who that home belonged to is not given to us, is it? It may have been the Apostle Peter's house. It may have been a house that was made available to Jesus. And maybe Jesus even owned that house. But if it was owned by him, it was still a far cry from what he left behind in heavenly glory. Consider the contrast. Even though the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all they that dwell in it, even though all those things belong to the Son of God. The fact is that when he stepped down from heaven into this dark world of sin, he had nowhere to lay his head. A crowd had gathered to be with Jesus. In fact, there were so many people pressing against 
him and his newly ordained apostles that they were unable to eat. As to why there were so many people, it would seem from looking at Matthew's account of events that Jesus had just cast out an evil spirit and that had in turn provoked the responses that we shall now consider. First of all, it can be seen in verse 21 that the friends of Jesus said that he was beside himself and not only that, they went to lay hold of him. Looking ahead a few years, the time would come when wicked men would lay their hands upon the Lord Jesus Christ, they would nail him to a wooden cross and they would lift him up to die. However, for now we see that friends sought to lay hands on Jesus and those friends may well have been his family and what's more, they thought that he was beside himself. In other words, they thought he was mad. The fact is that even the Lord's family did not believe in him that he was the Christ, the son of the living God in the early days of his ministry. That comes out very clearly in John chapter 7 and verse 5 where it is written, neither did his brethren believe in him. As well as having an unbelieving family, not all of the disciples of Jesus believed in him either. They didn't believe that he is the Son of God. There were those who followed Jesus because of the miracles he performed. And there were those who wanted to make him an earthly king, to conquer and to conquer the Romans and to kick them out of Palestine. They had various reasons for wanting to follow Jesus. Some of them had just had their tummies filled uh, when he fed in excess of 5,000 people with just a few loaves of bread and some fish. As to why the friends or family of Jesus thought that he was beside himself, could it be because he surrounded himself with sinners and that he ate with sinners? Could it be because he showed compassion towards the sick and he healed them? Could it be because he cast out evil spirits? He preached to them saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. The Apostle Paul was also considered to be mad. On one occasion, Paul preached the gospel of Christ to the Roman governor Festus. And according to Acts chapter 26 and verse 24, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul! Thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. If only there were more Christians who had a fervency and a zeal about them when it comes to proclaiming the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ who was considered by his kinsmen to have lost his mind. If only there were more Christians who, like their saviour and like the apostle Paul, were also considered to be mad by the world, by friends and even by unbelieving family, considered to be beside themselves. The Christian author J.R. Miller said, if there were more of this insanity, there would not be so many (coughs) 
Not so many souls dying under the very shadow of our churches. It would not be so hard to get missionaries and money to send the gospel to the dark continents. There would not be so many empty pews in our churches, so many long pauses in our prayer meetings, so few to teach in our Sunday schools. It would be a glorious thing if all Christians were beside themselves as the Master was or as Paul was. If you're a Christian, then you ought to expect and not be surprised when your unbelieving friends and family think that you have lost your mind. I wonder, is that ever your experience? In fact, dear Christian, you can expect much more than people, including unbelieving family, thinking that you are beside yourself. You can expect outright hostility and opposition from them. Paul most certainly did. As for Jesus, the world hated him. The world still hates him. And that is because he is light. And men love the light, the darkness rather. They love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds are evil. As a Christian, you too are the light of the world. Inasmuch you have a message to proclaim about the Lord Jesus Christ. Unless you are hiding that light from people, including your own family, you will be thought of as being beside yourself when you tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ and his sacrificial death for hell-deserving sinners. They'll think you're mad. They'll think you're beside yourself. I trust you know that from experience. It's not for nothing that in Matthew chapter 10, verse 35 to 36, Jesus said, I am come to set a man at variance with his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's foes shall be those of his own household. Make no mistake about it, the gospel is an offence to people. And if people are not being offended, even your own unbelieving family, through words that proceed from your mouth, something is wrong. Having looked at the response of the friends and family of Jesus to his ministry, and in particular to his casting out of a demon, we shall now consider the experts in the law, the scribes. The friends and family of Jesus thought that he was mad, and as we shall see, the scribes thought that he was bad. (coughs) Let's have a look at verses 22 through to 26 in Mark chapter 3. And the scribes, which came down from Jerusalem, said, He hath Beelzebub, and by the prince of the devils casteth he out devils. And he called them unto him, and said unto them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? And if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. 
and if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand, but hath an end. The scribes, who along with the Pharisees had witnessed the Lord Jesus Christ showing compassion, they'd seen him doing good, healing multitudes, nevertheless, they accused him of casting out demons by the power of the devil, to which Jesus replied, If a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand, but hath an end. In those words, Jesus exposes the illogic of their accusation. How ridiculous their accusation is. After all, why would the devil send his army of demons who are his representatives to enter and possess people only to empower Jesus to cast those demons out? It makes no sense. Also, for the sake of consistency, if Jesus did cast out demons by the power of the devil then others who cast out evil spirits would be presumably doing the same thing, casting them out by the power of the devil. And that would include the children of the Pharisees. The Pharisees and scribes accused Jesus of casting out demons by the power of the devil, but their own children, we are told in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 27, were casting out demons. So were their own children casting out demons by the power of the devil. Look at verse 27. No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he will first bind the strong man and then he will spoil his house. In this verse, Jesus is speaking parabolically and he is saying that the strong man is Satan. His goods are those who are afflicted by him and the one who binds the strong man is Jesus. Jesus is even stronger than the devil, stronger than the strong man. That binding of Satan was most apparent when Jesus rose triumphant over sin, Satan and death on the third day, having by his own death at the cross destroyed the power of the devil over death. However, even before Jesus laid down his life at the cross as the only acceptable sacrifice for sin, we see it in the scriptures, that infinitely greater power of the creator over the devil. We don't just see it at the cross, we see it before the cross. For example, when the paralytic was lowered through the roof of a house where Jesus was, And Jesus said to him, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And as people thought, and Jesus knew what they were thinking, people thought only God can forgive sins. How right they were. And they just heard Jesus say, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Also, we see the infinitely greater power of God right here in our passage with Jesus casting out demons by the power of God. As Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 28, But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, 
then the kingdom of God is come unto you. This is before the cross. It's a terrible indictment on the wickedness of the human heart that wicked men, such as the scribes in our passage, would think or even dare to accuse the sinless Son of God of being in league with the devil and of having an unclean spirit. Can you see that it was the accusers, it was those scribes who were in league with the devil, not the Son of God? This is clearly seen to be the case in the passage I read earlier, John chapter 8, where Jesus said to the Pharisees, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. You see why there's so much anger, hatred, murder in this world, so many lies, the world spins on an axis of lies and deception. You know, you listen to a, uh, a politician, you have to wonder, nah, nah, is he telling the truth? Probably not. You know, this is how it is, isn't it? Lies everywhere. And we see why. Because the devil is the father of lies. And he is said to be the god of this world in the Bible. And the prince of this world. And it's not just the Pharisees, it's not just the scribes. Let's broaden it to anyone who does not belong to Jesus and who does not know God as his father. Well, he does have a father. If it's not God, I'll give you one guess who his father is. The devil. And the lusts of your father you will do if you do not belong to Jesus. Don't be under any illusion about how evil this world is. And how wicked the human heart is. This is a fallen world that we live in. It is a world that is the devil's playground. And it is a world that delights in doing evil. In Noah's time, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. We needn't imagine that God sees the world in a better light now. But there is good news. In fact, it is the very best of news. In our passage, we've seen the strong man, the devil, being bound and those who are afflicted by him being set free. Not only is the devil the one who is bound, But day by day, God is delivering or rescuing repentant sinners from the devil's dark domain. And God is transferring them into the kingdom of his dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is good news, isn't it? And maybe even some of those scribes were transferred, delivered out of the devil's dark domain and transferred into the kingdom of Jesus. I don't know, but you know... What I do know is that God lifted me out of darkness and transferred me 
into the kingdom of his dear son. And so I would reckon that God can do that for anybody. Clearly there was and still is confusion in wicked hearts and minds as to who Jesus is, with some even saying that he has a devil. We've seen it in our passage today. We've seen it in uh, John chapter 8, after Jesus said to those Pharisees that your father's the devil and the lust of your father you will do. What did they, how did they respond to that? He is a Samaritan. He have a devil. Again, how dare people even think that, let alone say it. And there is still confusion in wicked hearts and minds as to who Jesus is, with some even saying that he has a devil. Still, still the case. C.S. Lewis had the following to say about that. He said, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronising nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. In our passage, some said he was mad and some said he was bad. What about you? We see elsewhere in the Bible that the Apostle Peter confessed Jesus to be the Christ, the Son of the living God. And when the Apostle Thomas saw the risen Saviour, he said unto him, My Lord and my God. What about you? Do you know Jesus? Do you know who he is? Are you looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, having received him as your Saviour from sin and believed on his name? Amen.